Welcome to the Undocumental Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sati. So, this is the first, well, kind of the first episode of what I hope to be a weekly podcast discussing immigration, particularly undocumented immigration, deportation, illegality, illegalization, related topics. And though this will be a weekly podcast with guests and a much more delineated format, this one is going to be a little different. This is just going to be a kind of mission statement episode, so to speak. So it's not necessarily even like an episode one, more of like an episode zero or an episode 0.5 or something like that. Um, So the goal of this particular episode is to just give a little background as to why I'm doing this project, where it comes from, um, what I hope to do, and to make a case for why something like this is necessary in a time like now. So I'll start with a little bit about myself. So my name is Joel Sati. Um, I am an illegalized immigrant. I am uh, I've been in the United States 18 years, and I've been undocumented for all but two weeks of it. Uh, and I am also a academic who does work in the philosophy of criminal law and the philosophy of immigration, and I focus on undocumented immigration. So this is something that I am coming into from a personal but also an academic point of view. And in terms of why this project... Uh, I'll have to go back to 2016, and 2016, as you probably know, 45 got elected, and in trying to think about the complex of feelings that I was experiencing at the time, you know, when, when, when it happened, it felt like I lost a friend, it felt like I lost someone, I was in a period of mourning, it, it felt sad, there was this weight in my chest that I couldn't shake. And the longer I sat with that, the more absurd that feeling became, because it it became pretty apparent that I couldn't lose something I never had. I can't mourn something that never lived. And in thinking about what that thing was that I thought I had but didn't have. I thought I had maybe a kind of privilege. And I and in some senses I did. At the time of his election, I, you know, was in my first year in a PhD program at Berkeley in jurisprudence and social policy. And it's not like I thought that I had made it, but I thought that I had a lot more security than I've ever had at any point up until then. And I didn't know when I was going to get papers, but I also had other things to worry about. I had, you know, work. I had settling into California. I had um, this PhD program. And I was, you know, trying to live as normal a life as possible. But I also knew that that was a a fool's errand. And 45's election really brought that to the fore. Because it's not just that I am undocumented. 
but I'm also black. And I had, you know, I've done immigration activism since 2012. I had done academic work on the theory of migration since 2013. Um, and I... And in, in that work, I had started to, I had started to believe and I had started to um, conclude that the existing literature on immigration was very insufficient. And, and I, for the longest time, I didn't know how to characterize that insufficiency. And in, and in, in 45's election it started to become a little bit more apparent. You know, I had been sitting with this kind of ineffable insufficiency of existing discussions on immigration and the existing conversational space on the topic. And since 2014, I had also started to sit with the fact of my blackness. And even then I sat with the fact of my blackness, the insufficiency of the immigration discussion, and also the kind of vacuum that was filled that wasn't that that existed where we couldn't talk about or we didn't really think of what it meant to be undocumented and black and what was being implicated in that intersection and so when trying to figure out just what was really what was really anxiety-inducing about his election? It was that it's not that things got worse. It's just you couldn't, I couldn't deny things. I couldn't, I couldn't escape from the fact of my undocumented status by saying, oh, you know, I'm a grad student with good grades and whatnot. I can't escape from the fact of my blackness. There really was no way to get around that. And and so it, it was really insufficient to say, oh, you know, 45 got elected. I'm going to lose DACA. 45 got elected. It's going to be hard to get comprehensive immigration reform passed or things like that. It was one of those things where I was faced directly, directly with what it meant to be an illegal alien in this country and to know that whatever protection you thought you had could always be superseded by the danger of what was to come after you, be it interactions with police, be it interactions with ICE, and things like that. Now, there's an element of that that seems very final, inescapable. And it's the kind of pressure that's hard to come out of. It's the kind of pressure that has pushed, and I'll be fully honest here, that has, that has motivated a kind of depression that I'm still sort of working my way back from. But even in that context, I wanted to, I wanted to be able to say something. 
I wanted to be able to not just say something myself, but also to give, um, to give a forum for people situated similarly as me to, to question the terms by which they had been made into this status or non-status, this, the status of illegal or undocumented or illegalized. And the kind of contradiction where, the kind of contradiction that becomes really apparent, it is that your illegality is both permanent, but you're also fully aware that there's nothing about that position that is inevitable. It feels like I can't get out of not ha of being legalized, but also there's something that can be done about this. And my mind got got to work trying to think about how I can use my positionality to do something. And hence, Undocumental was born. Now, Undocumental, I had envisioned it as a blog or as some kind of intellectual forum, online magazine, what have you. And I think that particular modality has came from something that I had always really thought about and and had as a motivator to to my work, which was in thinking about the kinds of arguments that I go against as a theorist. Um, that tradition has years, institutions. It has a lot of intellectual firepower behind it. And so it's like really hard to sort of like come against that and say, well, actually, no, that's, this is not how things should be. Um, and I'm being very simple about it, but um, more or less. And so I wanted this to be a kind of a place where it's not just me who's, who's doing this kind of intellectual resistance but also to have people who don't have this forum have an opportunity to, to, to do this kind of work, to have this kind of forum, to, to do this kind of analysis, and to use the, the, the position that I, that I had, I mean, still have, to, to move that along. And over the course of a year, the better part of a year, um, I was able to work with the Undocumented Student Center at Berkeley. I was working with the Human Rights Center at Berkeley Law. I was, and I ended up um, meeting and meeting into, oh, sorry. I ended up meeting with um, some of still the best minds I have met even now. And we were able to get something off the ground. Esme Jimenez, A.Y. Odedei, Rafael Orozco, Kimberly White, Alex Bush. And we were able to get a website off the ground. We had a nice launch event at Berkeley Law. It was well covered. It, I felt it was the culmination of a lot of work. And I'm very thankful to, to the group that, that was able to come together for putting that for putting that on. Unfortunately, 
or I yeah unfortunately I it it didn't it, it didn't sustain itself and I'm sure it's we were busy other things had had come up life happens but it had always been something that I had carried with me I I, I it was my fault that this didn't work out and even though I w- I wanted to be ashamed of the fact that it was my fault that it didn't work out I still wanted the I I I believed in the idea. I still believe in the idea. And I wanted it to come back in some way, but I didn't know how. But I also, you know, wasn't in a position to rush it, I think. Um, I had my quals. That was a very interesting time in my life. I started law school, and, you know, I was stressed with 1L fall and also the DACA litigation that was going on contemporaneously. And so... Yeah, Undocumental was something that I thought about, but it also, for reasons outside of my control, wasn't really a priority. And, but it's something I believed, and still believe, deserves to exist. And with the pandemic, I was looking for podcasts to listen to, looking for ways to engage with immigration and illegalization if not on the ground but also not in theory i i mean there's a time for that but i i wanted to i wanted something a little bit more real to put it simply and i don't and i didn't find an immigration focused podcast or at least nothing that was like i envisioned And I think it was at that moment that I thought, let's see if Undocumental can come back as a podcast. And I decided to tweet about it on my Twitter, at Realist Theorist. And it got a lot of good engagement. And I thought, okay, this is something that people want to listen to, but I also knew a lot of people who would make great guests. And I am in the process of of getting that together. So this is something that I think will have some staying power. I think it will. Um, I'm committed to this in a way that I don't think I've been committed to a project, probably including undocumental as a blog for a couple of years ago but the mission is still the same for the blog we were looking at a forum to discuss illegalization now what does that mean illegalization so i always present it juxtaposed between the term illegal and the term undocumented. We always say no human being should be illegal. And, you know, 
and 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 I believe in Eli Wiesel's words, no human being should be illegal. But I think we'd also be lying to ourselves if we didn't also, if we weren't also aware that the law does treat people without status as illegal. Kids are put into cages. Families are separated. Communities are torn apart. Workplaces are raided. Immigrants are vilified with a criminality that's supposed to make them deserving of some of the most dehumanizing treatment we can affect on anyone. And the law is at the central point of all of this. So that's something that needs to be front and center. But I've also been interested in the term undocumented. Now, in its literal sense, undocumented, don't have documents, don't have papers. Makes sense. It's, it's conceptually clean. It doesn't really admit more than it says, and it doesn't undersell itself. But in the summer of 2014, when Mike Brown was gunned down, the thought entered my mind, and I'm sure it wasn't just me, but the thought entered my mind that here you have a person who's an American citizen. Status speaking, speaking in terms of status. But what protection did that provide? And so there seemed to be two holes with the the with the with the concept of undocumented. The first was it's not that undocumented isn't focused on the fact that someone doesn't have documents per se, but rather does it focuses on the fact that someone doesn't have the right documents. Yeah. It's why you could conceivably say that someone with DACA is still undocumented in a sense. Because, though they have deferred action, and, and that is still an important... It still grants a material privilege... The fact that it's not a contradiction to say someone has DACA and is still undocumented sort of should 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 give you an idea of, of what, what I'm getting at. But in terms of a, an example that I really like to appeal to a lot with regard to undocumented. So in 2012, I was a youth volunteer for Casa de Maryland. And among the things that I took part in was... Because um, that was the summer that Obama had announced... DACA and later that summer is or yeah later that summer almost early fall was when DACA was going live and so the first day that it went live so the, so the Casa de Maryland building it's in Hyattsville Maryland it's on the side of I think an old mansion it definitely yeah so an old mansion and so there was so at the front of the building there was a line that was stretching for what seemed like forever. And I saw these people and their families, these, these DACA, these soon-to-be applicants and their families, 
and they had all kinds of documents. Report cards, medical records, bills, you name it. And, and it's not, and so it became really apparent to me, or it started to become apparent to me, that what was at issue wasn't the presence or absence of documents, but rather which documents mattered, who says they matter, and what does it mean that certain documents matter and others don't. And as I grew up, became more mature, became much more well-versed in doing this kind of work from a theoretical perspective, it became apparent that, again, it's the law that makes these determinations. The consequences of these determinations are... They come from the law, but it's USCIS, it's ICE, it's state legislators, it's, it's federal action or federal inaction. And whereas illegal captures a reality that is so separate from what we think is the normative ideal, undocumented presents a false normative ideal at the expense of a reality. Because the end point is supposed to be getting papers or, you know, meeting certain requirements, getting papers or getting temporary protection in the case of DACA And it seemed like we were talking across purposes. Illegal got some things right, but not others. Undocumented got some things right, but not others. And what's something that sort of captures both? What, what captures an accurate account of the, the reality of what it means to lack papers in this country or lack status in this country? And what framework will allow us to really get a sense of what we should be looking for, normatively speaking? And illegalization, I think, is that framework. And in a future episode, I'll go into this a lot deeper. But I think for now, this is a nice exposition as to how I'm coming into this or what I think this project is going to do and how it views the space to which it aims to contribute. Now, the launch plan. So this is episode zero. But episode one, I don't know when it's gonna, it's gonna be released. So I had put on my social media that it was gonna be April 21. That's just me being incredibly conservative um, in terms of not putting a project out too early. So, yeah, so April 2021, it'll be out by then. 
I think that it'll be out a lot sooner than that. But given the fact that I I am also working on a few papers, I, I guess I just don't want to overpromise. But in the time between now and April, there are a lot of things to look forward to. And I hope that you, the listener, can can join Undocumental on this journey. We have, I say we, I mean, I'm the only person who's working on this right now. But I say we because this is a project whose success hinges on engagement with the affected communities and, and with contributions coming from various different angles, be it be it activism, be it theory, be it the arts, be it, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever have you. The slogan for the, for the blog was international, intersectional, interdisciplinary. That ethos still remains. And so in the near future, I'm going to be doing my homework. I'm going to really re-familiarize myself with, with the, the lay of the land when it comes to illegality, not just from my academic silo, but from other places as well. We have a social media that is at undocumental pod that is at u n d o c u m e n t a l pod p o d we're going to also have a patreon coming soon and i also encourage you to support this project be it with a follow on our twitter page um uh a venmo to so i have my venmo on my twitter profile um my twitter is at realist theorist uh r-e-a-l-e-s-t t-h-e-o-r-i-s-t and the venmo is sati j s-a-t-i-j um and actually something that i'm very excited to announce is that um i was able to find a a graphic designer who themselves are illegalized and we're going to be working working together on on a on a visual presence for undocumental so that's something that's going to come out within the next few weeks and i'm already excited for where the project is now but when when this brand identity or when this sort of visual identity comes out i think it'll add yet another dimension and it's going to make this a little a lot more official um i'm thankful to all who have supported undocumental so far be it with social media engagement be it with um sending a little bit of money so the the microphone that i'm using um, all the equipment that I have now has been a direct result of the support that I've received so far. And I'm incredibly thankful 
that I'm even here. So I am incredibly, incredibly honored, humbled, excited that this project is off the ground. This is a very humble beginning. Um, future episodes are going to be much more, much more professional. They're going to have music, going to have like great, you know, editing, sound mixing, whatever have you. Um, but I think this one is, I think this being as raw as it is serves a purpose because I want you, the listener, to know exactly where you find this project. And so thank you for listening to this episode, episode zero, episode one. It exists in a liminal space. Such is illegality. Thank you, and uh, yeah, hope to see you soon. And again, this is Undocumental. I'm your host, Joel Sati. Bye.